Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another fantastic, splendiferous, outstanding, monstrous edition of the DraftSite.com podcast. I'm DJ Boyer. I'm going to be talking a little bit of NFL. A little bit of college, a little bit of draft, a little bit of everything. Right now, 0-0, third inning, Cubs and Dodgers in LCS. Started with a little bit of baseball there at 1-1. If you're like me, you're getting prepped for doomsday. I said the Indians and Cubs meet in the World Series. It is a sign of the apocalypse. A sure sign that revelation in the end of times is upon us. One of those teams winning a World Series, that is scary enough. So we won't keep, uh, we won't keep going with Doomsday, start with some good news, or move on to the National Football League. We are six weeks in already, six weeks into the season. It's now starting to take shape. Who are the real players? Who are kind of the pretenders, the teams that are going to be challenging for a Super Bowl berth? And just some of the big issues that we can talk about now, six weeks into the season, what's going on now or what's going to be going on very shortly. First off, the Patriots just keep rolling. It doesn't matter who's quarterbacking this team. They have but one loss. Tom Brady comes right back into the fold. Hasn't missed the beat. Start a little bit slow this week with the Bengals. But the Patriots always find a way to get it done. Chris Hogan, Martellus Bennett, Danny Amendola, Edelman, just not your everyday all-pro receivers. And of course, you throw Gronk in there at a career-high receiving yard this past week. So it looks like Gronk is Gronk is just fine. Injuries hopefully not slowing him down, and the Patriots are going to look to keep him healthy for the rest of the year. And you got to think, that Patriot ground game, been a little silent with LeGarrette Blunt in the last few weeks, and you got to think right, right now, just as that passing game gets going, just as the defense gets a few opportunistic turnovers, maybe when teams start to catch up or bottle up Brady, they've just, they've just got it, it waiting for him there on the ground game. It's going to get tough. LeGarrette Blunt's got at least three, four 100-yard games left in him for this season. Hopefully, because he's on the, the DJ Fantasy football team that's off to a two-and-four start. So, yeah. come on, LeGarrette. Let's get this done. Other big news from the quarterback situation, Ben Roethlisberger goes down again. You know, Ben used to always be known for being so durable, and he does. He stands in the pocket, takes a lot of hits. He's a guy that's moving around and always able to find receivers downfield. Not a guy who's going to scramble for 10 to 15 yards at a time, but his mobility is just its just so underrated, and the fact that he can just feel presence of, of oncoming pass rushers just kind of slide up and just make that extra step or two and always has his eyes downfield. Another, another injury for Ben. Torn meniscus, underwent surgery today. How long is he going to be out? That's the question. Steelers do have a bye coming up too, so hopefully uh, that buys him a little bit of time. With Landry Jones, who you know wasn't lighting the world on fire in that loss against the Dolphins, so unfortunately was trying to get on the field. Jay Ajayi, over 200 yards rushing. Player out of Boise State. Got to like that. 
you got to like it if, you know, you weren't a Steelers fan. Just hard getting on the – having that offense get on the field when the defense was just getting torched, and that was the first time in who knows when Pittsburgh defense was giving up a 200-yard rusher. Some other big news, the Browns, they continue to lose. Now they've, they've been competitive. Got to say it's been competitive for the Browns. A few bright spots. Of course, Josh Gordon thought they were going to get him back. Teaming with Terrell Pryor, and that was going to be one of the most athletic one-two combos in the league, but unfortunately didn't pan out for the Browns. Josh Gordon entering rehab. Terrell Pryor still doing a pretty good job. Quarterback carousel continues. It hasn't been awful. I mean, Cody Kessler and RG3 and some of the other people have been playing quarterback there in, in Cleveland. They haven't been stinking the joint up. Now they haven't been lighting it up either. But the quarterback situation is not the reason why Cleveland is not winning right now. It, it sounds kind of funny to say at 0-6, but I think the team's actually moving in the right direction. Might be baby steps. Might be baby steps, but it looks like they're at the point now where they're they're in games, they're finding ways to lose winnable games. I think we're we're, we're going to see Cleveland win about three or four this year, but again, I think it's on an upward swing. I think they have a pretty good coach there with Hugh Jackson, and the, and the fact that he seems to be very relatable to the players. Management likes him as well. Seems to be a good kind of mix. Not a total disciplinarian. But it just seems like the players still respect him. He still still commands respect in that locker room, but doesn't have to do it in that totalitarian fashion. And I think that's kind of coming across in the Cleveland Royal locker room. We haven't seen a whole lot of finger pointing or, or people down on themselves. Well, I mean, they've been on the bottom. It's not like this was a team that was winning the division or challenging for playoff bursts, and now they've, they've suddenly fallen from grace. So maybe that buys them a little extra time. But, again, don't be upset, Cleveland fans. It'll get better eventually. But there's still a good chance with the phrase you will hear this year. is, And now with the first pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select. Very good chance you hear that. Sean Kaiser, quarterback, Notre Dame. Miles Garrett, defensive end, Texas A&M. Probably one of those two names. Kaiser will be a... A very high pick, despite the lackluster start for Notre Dame thus far. Two and four, two and five. Not quite sure. Getting lost with all of the losses that that have been going on there in South Bend. Another thing I want to talk about is is Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott the best one-two combo we've ever seen on offense as a rookie, as rookies, I should say. Early on, it was Carson Wentz from Philadelphia getting all the pub. Dak Prescott seemed to be getting it in the preseason. More and more chatter. He's been playing well. Now the fact is it's to the point where the unthinkable might have happened. There, there's, there's talk that, you know, why remove this guy from the quarterback position? Tony Romo's healthy. Maybe Tony Romo's riding the pine. Maybe Tony Romo's holding the clipboard. Zico Elliott went into the weekend leading the NFL in rushing. And we still haven't seen him utilized out of the backfield as much as we can. You've got a great backup in Alfred Morris, 
guy who's rushed for over 1,000 yards, knows what he's doing at the NFL level. You're getting it done with Des Bryant, probably your best offensive player, has been your best offensive player for the last three or four years, on the sideline hurt. Other people like Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams and are just stepping up and getting it done. So the reliable uh, Jason Witten in there at the, at the tight end spot. Offensive line that is just playing lights out. Could be the best in the league. Hats off to these Cowboys. That defense still a little bit skittish. Leaves me scary. Leaves me with that scary feeling. Like what they've done with Byron Jones. Kind of moving him back towards safety a little more. Take advantage of that size, that athleticism. Seems to really be playing off. They're getting something out of Morris Claiborne. Something we haven't seen in the last two years in Big D. Sean Lee staying healthy. It's a big thing, too. So hats off. Philadelphia Eagles, still in relatively good shape at 3-2, and two, but, you know, the Lusters rolled off a little bit there. Didn't want the, those Philadelphia faithful and fans thinking they were Super Bowl bound after the 3-0 start. Now with two consecutive losses, Lane Johnson serving his 10-game suspension, the first of which he missed this week, and boy, did it show. The tie really struggled early on. You're 3-2, and, and now what do you do? You, you come back home after two road losses, and you're welcoming the only undefeated team in the league, the Minnesota Vikings, who, by the way, have who quarterbacking for them? Sam Bradford. I wonder if there's a little chip on his shoulder. Really anxious to see how Carson Wentz goes against the NFL's best defense. Yes, I said best defense. Something we've warned you about over the last two seasons, a lot of very good young players on that Viking defense where they're starting at jail. Daniel Hunter, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes. Boy, that's just loaded with talent on defense over there. Just getting enough done on offense, even without Teddy Bridgewater, without Adrian Peterson. Who would have thunk your Vikings would be the top team in not only the NFC Central, not only the NFC, but the NFL itself. It's a strange game sometimes, folks. Well, we've covered upon uh, a little bit there, so let, let's move into the college ranks. Roll Tide. That's all i got to say, Roll Tide. That one's for Smitty. Roll Tide. Roll is exactly what they did against Tennessee. Whew. 49 to 10. They do have that uh, very, very tough game coming up this week with Texas A&M. And we've seen Alabama with two consecutive games against ranked teams, win, win against Arkansas, win against Tennessee. Now they've got to do with Texas A&M before they get that ever-present bye week. And one has got to say, Texas A&M had the bye week. They're coming off a bye week. And speaking of coming on the line, do I hear some life on the other end? Yeah, how we doing? I hear, hear Zach Gutierrez, as promised. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I was trying to dial in. I was in, and uh, I don't know. It didn't, uh, it didn't register me, but I'm here now. I'm excited to talk some football. Well, we just got through a little NFL segment, but we're, we're doing some college right now, and I, I just let off with Alabama. Roll Tide at number one. Roll Tide. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very hard to argue with that. Uh, they, their front seven is an NFL front seven, and when you own the trenches like that, it's going to be very, very difficult for anybody to stand a chance in college football. Uh, so I have no uh, no issue with them at number one. And as I've said before, 
SEC, they've all they've always said best best defensive line in the SEC, Alabama. Second best defensive line in the SEC, the backup line for Alabama. <laughs> it's just the way it is. They just roll people in and out. They're just so freaking just the depth is ridiculous at Alabama, especially along that defensive line. And, uh, and not only is it deep, but they had guys, they had two guys come back this year in the front seven, maybe three that would have been first-round picks in this last draft. So uh, not only are they deep, I mean, I was surprised Tim Williams came back, Allen came back, Foster came back. I mean, this is uh, front seven-wise. I mean, they're, they're, they're ferocious. And that brings us to our number two team and how how great it is that you come on the line now. You know where this is going. Old Brutus the Buckeye, those Buckeyes themselves, they're still undefeated. Still undefeated. How, how do the Buckeyes kind of stack up for you this year? Have you, what's kind of surprised you about Ohio State, and what do you think has kind of been business as usual? Uh, not too much has surprised me. They're starting to get in that area where Alabama is where uh, they, they, they don't rebuild in any way. They, they straight-up reload. Uh, the players that came in right now were as highly touted, if not more highly touted, than the last class that went out. They got Nick Bosa, who's Joey Bosa's brother. That was a higher recruit. You obviously see people like Malik Hooker that is probably going to start climbing up uh, in, in, uh, in the mock drafts. But, uh, I mean, uh, they, I knew that they were deep. Uh, it's pretty much exactly what I expected from an Ohio State team. The one area they really need to uh, to start recruiting to compete with the with Alabama is the front seven. Uh, getting uh, getting up uh, Nick Bosa was big. They're still they're still thin. Uh, evident as he's uh, you know a freshman starting, but uh, I've I've been happy with what I've seen so far. But I would not be optimistic going up against Bama right now. Or teams to go up against the team at number three. We're going up against them, and we know what this is: those Michigan Wolverines. The arch nemesis. What do you see out of Michigan right now? How, how would you feel with that matchup? How do you think those two teams stack up against one another? Uh, they stack up really, really well, and it's really, really close. And if you throw on the tape from both Wisconsin games, you can see that it'll be a close matchup. They both have – both teams have some of their greatest playmakers, if not their greatest playmakers, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, so – so they're built in a very, very similar fashion. Obviously, I would all lean towards Ohio State, not just because of my Ohio State bias, but having JT Barrett and having that type of leadership, uh, you know, he's not a senior, but a redshirt junior leadership uh, pays off big time. And, and you saw it in that Wisconsin game where I really think Michigan got put in that same exact situation in Madison uh, that they wouldn't have been able to come back with the way Wisconsin was playing. Because you look at that score and you're like, oh, well, maybe Ohio State is, in, is no Alabama, but uh, – I mean, Wisconsin and Hornibrook, Hornibrook was, I mean, he looked like a left-handed Tom Brady, the way he was maneuvering in the pocket. Uh, I mean, they brought their AA-plus game in Madison, and Ohio State uh, and Ohio State uh, still snuck out with one. But when you put on the tape from those two games, it looks like it's going to be a very even, even game, and it's going to be, uh, I mean, one of the top two or three games of the year. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my chops, to say the least. Yeah, of course you would think that, Zach. Of course you would think that. Oh, Jerry, what are we doing? It's about time you just say, Michigan, this is their year. Yeah, last year, uh, I, I think we had the same conversation. You said it was going to be this year. Uh, and I, I can't remember because all the work I've been doing lately, my, my short-term memory is like, what happened last year when they played? Last year, they, uh, they forgot a few things at home. Um, That's <laughs> weird because they were playing year, at home. They were 
thing at home. They should have, even if they forgot him at home, they should have been able to just grab him, you know? So, I mean, I'm not worried about Michigan yet until, uh, you know, until they put something on the field. Uh, Myers made an absolute mockery of Michigan since he's got there. The same thing Trestle did. Uh, I mean, I everyone talks about the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, and it's, it, it, I want Michigan to be good because it's a beautiful color contrast. It's the end of the year. It reminds me of when I was a kid when the game was actually competitive. But that's just not the case anymore. So Wisconsin's my new, uh, my new Michigan. We could not have scripted this better. We could not have scripted this any better. I, I joined just for the Michigan-Ohio State part. So. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We will see, baby. Let's go. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to think of a, a bet for next week. <laughs> oh, we've heard it here. It, is, it has been recorded. Everyone here is a witness. Some kind of bet will, will take place between uh, Jared and Zach. Oh, we're going to have fun with this. Yeah, I'll, I'll well, as we talked about. Uh, come, up, come up with the term. <laughs> Oh, maybe we will. Those top three teams, one's got to wonder, the team that we have at four at this poll, the Clemson Tigers, is this their year? I mean, they don't seem like the top team on paper. But just the, the way they've been able to escape, they get that win against Louisville. They, you know, they have the shank against NC State, survive the squeaker to open the year. I don't know. Things just in the universe seem to be lining up for, for Clemson. Is this – a team that's going to bounce back from adversity, and you want to talk about leadership at the quarterback position. You've got Deshaun Watson there. You've got some nasty players along the, the defensive front in, in Clemson there as well. So, I don't know. Maybe Clemson, they're all wearing four-leaf leaf clovers, or are they just really, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's the way the ball bounces, and maybe God's a Clemson fan right now. Who knows? Thoughts on Clemson? Yeah, I- I gave up on God being a college football fan the year Notre Dame went undefeated, and they seemed to get every single bounce they possibly could that year. And going into the national championship against Bama, they were a 10-point underdog. I was like, this is a team of destiny. You know, this is a, this is, this is a God's team. So I, I don't believe in that. But that being said, uh, Clemson just seems like a team that is bored. They, they came to play against Louisville. And all the other games, maybe apart from Georgia Tech, they really haven't showed up. But if I'm taking a team to compete with Bama right now, especially because Ohio State isn't, for some reason, with their talented running backs, isn't running the ball enough. you got to go with Deshaun Watson and, and their talented receivers. And if, uh, if Wayne Gallman can come back, you know, because he'll probably be out a week or two with a concussion, Clemson is a team that I would, I would not want to play if I was Alabama. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, he, he's kind of been building up the magic the last few years, and I don't see why this year can't be the one that caps it off, especially after DJ putting them at number four and giving them extra motivation. But I yeah. think their defense is very underrated as well. Not all their games have been shutouts and they've let some teams score, but they have, uh, they have good players along the line, and I think um, in their secondary too, and I think, I think that's an underrated part of their team that will be showcased in the next few weeks, especially against Florida State next week. Yeah, I gave him. I uh, definitely gave him billboard material. You know, I've yeah, yeah. DJ has given them billboard material. Dropping. They got them. that up in their locker room. They got that in the locker room. Yeah, DJ Boy on draft night <laughs> dropped just the four. Public enemy number one in South Carolina, right here. Yeah, but uh, Washington at number five. Uh, the pack. The Pac-12 has just been so tough to call. It just seems like the last few years it's been you know a team kind of seems to establish themselves, and then it's always kind of like the two lost teams we're talking about. The, the defense or that, that conference just seems to beat up on one another. Is this the exception? Is, is Washington a legitimate contender? Can they hang with the four teams that we just mentioned? Yeah, uh, yeah, they, they are. 
they're and they're the, they're the bully in the in the Pac-12 this year. They're bullying everybody. I mean, if you were to put their body of work together, apart from maybe the Arizona game where they only won by seven. Uh, they're the most impressive team in college football. They didn't sneak up on anybody. It's not like this is a team that was like had that northwestern level talent and just snuck up. This was a team that I don't even what were they what they finished in the rankings and they were almost consensus top ten. Uh, but the way they 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 whomped on Stanford, which obviously isn't uh, you know looking like the mo- the strongest victory after the way Stanford's been playing. Uh, but the fact that they're just they're just beating teams silly makes me think that this is a team that can compete. And I'm not sure if they could compete with Alabama. But I can tell you right now that with, with Jake Browning healthy at quarterback, uh, they can compete with Ohio State. And they could definitely compete with Michigan, and they can most definitely compete with Clemson. Uh, so this is a team that's going to be very, very interesting to see how they stack up once they get outside a very, very weak Pac-12 this year. I would make an argument that the second-best team in the Pac-12, in my opinion, is Washington State. Yeah, well, speaking of Washington State, I mean, that's that's their final game, so... You know, they, they might be undefeated now. They still have to get through Oregon State, Utah, USC, Arizona State. I mean, all these all these teams are the type of teams that could, you know, might have a bad season but could just win any one game in their, in their conference just depending on the week. But I think the thing with Washington that I really love is it's got to be Chris Peterson. I mean, he was such an underrated head coach if I could say underrated, at Boise State, just leading those teams to undefeated seasons. And now he has a legitimate team. So a lot of coaches can't handle being undefeated because they can't handle going one game at a time. But a guy like Chris Peterson, he knows what it takes to be undefeated and go into a national championship game and win it all out. And I think for that reason, for that reason for me, is why Washington has the best chance of of the teams in the Pac-12 and a chance to actually win it out in the magical team. Yeah. And, and let's not forget that this was not a team that was down trot. Steve Sarkeesian left this team in very, very good shape. Uh, yeah. They were recruiting at a very, very high level. So you come in with Peterson, and you combine this incredibly talented roster that Sarkeesian. Uh, you know, Sarkeesian, he doesn't have a drinking problem. The USC is a completely different ball club right now. Uh, and isn't this, like I said, this is not just like some some team with Northwestern talent. This is a team with superior talent in, in the pack uh, in the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the only thing that on their schedule where I think they're they're even going to have a hiccup is Washington State, because uh, Washington State definitely worries me. Yeah, Luke Falk. The Apple Cup is going to be big this year. And as as you just talked, I mentioned that in Sarkeesian, it's kind of interesting how these small coaching circles work. If Steve Sarkeesian doesn't get that uh, job at USC, the early frontrunner for that actually was Chris Peterson. So you really got to wonder if USC is kind of kicking themselves right now for going the direction they did, uh, seeing what's going on in Washington. Aside, real quickly, from those five teams that we just mentioned, obviously our top five, give me one team outside that top five that if you think anyone's going to sneak into that top five or be a factor, at least in the BCS Bowl or maybe sneak into the college playoff, who is your team? We'll throw this at you, Zach. Uh, I mean, I think you almost got to take Louisville out of there because it, or else it's consensus Louisville. Louisville went into Death Valley, uh, played as good a game. If you didn't even see the score on that game, you can make an argument that Louisville won that game. When you have a player like Lamar Jackson, uh, it transcends the whole team. That's a team, uh, if I'm Bama, that's a team I probably want to face least. But if you take them aside, hands down, the most underrated team in the country, especially this week finally people are starting to jump on their bandwagon, but it's been West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia's got an experienced, excellent quarterback. 
Uh, they, they go to the junior college well as well as any team. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of their starting running back, but he is not far off from Wendell, where Wendell Smallwood was last year. Uh, defensively, they have playmakers. Uh, it worries me a little bit because with all the Dana, Dana Holgesher, well, Holgesher, however you say his last name, teams, they lack discipline. I watched them uh, get a, six or seven too many penalties in Texas Tech, but they still handle them. Uh, this is a team in a pretty weak uh, Big 12 that uh, if they run the table, you gotta you got to discuss uh, them uh, you know, making the top four. I'm going to stick with the coaching, um, the coaching theme. And uh, Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M, you know, it, it seems that no matter what they go through over there, no matter what quarterback he loses, he still coaches up a quality team on both sides of the ball. And the fact that they're, you know, 6-0, I think if they could, even if they lose to Alabama, if it's close, you know, if, if they win out the rest of the year, they could easily contend for one of the national championship bowls if, uh, if every other team loses out. So if they go in with one, one loss and it's just Alabama and every other team loses, which I don't think is necessarily going to be the case, um, yeah, that's, that's my call because you can never count out uh, Kevin Sumlin. No, that's a great call. Well, well I'm going to go against Zach on this one. I'm going Louisville because I think – I'm going to call it now. I think Florida State is going to defeat. Clemson, um, and I think it's, it's going to create a logjam there in the ACC, and I think Louisville is going to come out of there on top. They're actually going to win the ACC and get that bid in the uh, get that bid in the Final Four. Uh, I think you've got a co- couple other teams. You know, there's one good call I have to make on my part, and one excellent call I've got to make for Zach as well. I have been saying since about week two or week three, if you've been watching the Theater 40, that Nebraska is going to Iowa their way up the chart in the Big Ten, and it looks like that's what's happening. Uh, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Mike Riley running the football again there in Nebraska. I don't think this is going to be a legitimate uh, title contention team, but you know, enough to make noise and at least get fans there in Nebraska excited again. But also, another team that we did have ranked in the Fierce Forty, and you made the call. You said if they beat Northwestern in Week One, yeah, well, who am I Western talking? Michigan. Who am I? Western Michigan, and I believe. Uh, you know, this is a team just outside the top 15. Corey Davis, you know, you're, you're looking at possibly the best wide receiver, senior wide receiver in this class. This is another team that's making a lot of noise. you got to wonder them, or even a Boise State. Boise State always hangs around, but Jeremy McNichols, probably the best running back at the FBS level that nobody knows about. Had over 200 yards this past week, but the thing that really sets him apart, such a great receiver out of the backfield, even a good blocker, just seems to do it all. Not a dazzling runner but just enough to just move the chains. Excellent receiver, great blocker. He just seems to have it all. And again, Brett Rippon, it's probably the most legitimate quarterback that Boise State has had, and, and this guy's only a sophomore as well. So, you know, Boise, uh, you never know. Uh, they could, if, if they and finish they're gonna, that. They're uh, going to lose. They're going to lose in two days, I think. <laughs> well, I, I, it, it's going to be hard for them to uh, actually go undefeated, but it's not out of the realm of possibility for Boise State, but if I have to pick a team on the outside right now, I, I've got to go Louisville. And I think, you know, we really wanted to give the, the Heisman way too early last year to Leonard Fournette, but right now I think you've got to give Lamar Jackson unless something is going catastrophic is going to happen. I think right now that, that trophy's just got his name all over it. So I'm, I'm going Louisville. 
Don't forget about Kellen Moore. He was a yeah. That's what I was saying. Kellen Moore was about as legit as they get. Oh, yeah, because he was no. because he was short. You know, people hate against the short guys, six foot or. Don't worry. Don't even get me started on Jared Debranski. We're we're not even going to go there on Boise State. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, I don't, any quarterback, any quarterback that has uh, tattoos on their biceps, I don't trust. I don't think I've ever seen one perform. You know. Yeah. Doesn't Ben? Ben's, doesn't your boy Ben Roethlisberger have one? No, 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 no. Definitely not. So we've uh, we've covered NFL. We've covered uh, you guys. Have, the boys have come in during the college the college time here. But uh, real quick, if we've looking over the NFL draft, and you know, six weeks in now, we're starting to get a kind of a feel for where teams are going to be picking. Are there individual prospects or someone that is really kind of standing out or setting themselves kind of standing out as a possible top pick in this draft? Maybe players that you think might uh, might be. Uh, entering the pro realm and, and declaring this year that, that you think of a sh- shot at being either a top overall pick or someone in the top ten, who's kind of standing out for you? We'll, we'll let uh, Jared take this one first. I guess you got to go with real peppers. I'm being very biased here, but I, I don't homer know. pick. Yeah, it is. It is a homer pick. But you look at you look at what he's been able to do and and how transcendent he's been at just all levels of playing. You know, I mean, he's really a Charleston type player. And I, I didn't think he'd. I didn't think. I thought he'd do. I thought he'd improve a lot as a cornerback. Did I think he'd have as big of an impact he's having in special teams and all over the field? I didn't. And you know, I think because of how good he's playing, and because of how good a guy like Patrick Peterson has been for Arizona, you know, Miles Garrett is, as DJ will say, is, is probably the best uh, prospect in this draft, but. Again, if a team if the team going number one doesn't end up, I mean, right now it's Cleveland, so they'll probably pick a QB. But if they don't need a QB and they don't necessarily want a defensive end, they focus on the secondary. I could definitely see uh, Jabril Peppers being the number one pick overall. Uh, yeah, there's there's no way that Jabril is the number one pick. Uh, you'll definitely go. It's got to be Miles Garrett. I mean, it's boring. Nobody wants to hear. It. But Miles Garrett's a guy that's about 280 pounds with like 5% body fat. Freak athlete. Pass rushers are at a premium. Uh, if I'm going to have my homer pick, I go Malik Hooker. I'm not saying he's the first overall pick, but I'm saying he's a guy that's going to climb up draft boards because he's a playmaker and he hits and he's all over the field. He already has three or four interceptions. Two of them were returned for touchdowns and one of them was called back. But the guy that I want to talk about that has potential to be the number one overall pick and nobody ever mentions him. They talk about Kaiser. Uh, they talk about Watson. But what about Pat Mahomes? Uh, I watched him in a losing effort this week against West Virginia, and I'm like, I'm trying to think, like, why people are not, uh, why he's not projected more first rounds. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. He, uh, he's, he's the total package at the college level. Uh, he's got the size. He's got the football IQ. He definitely has the arm strength. So this is a guy that I think, hopefully, you know, to make me look good, uh, in a month or two down the world, war, uh, down the road is going to start climbing the draft boards. Well, I, I, I am going to say that uh, Garrett has probably got the best shot at being the top overall pick, again, assuming he's going to declare himself eligible for the draft. But I think just about everybody knows he will. And it's not just the, the, the fact that he had 11 and a half sacks in the SEC freshman record two years ago and another 11 last year. Sacks are a little bit down, but he plays the run so well. A lot like Jadavion Clowney because, you know, there's been a lot of flack with him. And now the, the fact that he's finally staying healthy at the NFL level, 
lot of people are going to say, look, the guy's only got two and a half sacks through the first six weeks, but he's also got ten and a half tackles for loss leading the NFL in that category. I think sometimes people get hung up on sacks being such a big statistic that uh, they don't look at the overall package. And he's really playing well and really having to step up his play with J.J. Watt uh, out, obviously. But I think you can stay at the defensive end position. If, if I say there's another guy who I think can climb the charts and be a, a top-five pick, I think it's the same position, the same conference. I'm going Derek Barnett from Tennessee, another just monster, absolute great, great player who I think plays uh, plays the run as, as well as any defensive end that I'm seeing uh, at the FBS level right now. And the fact that Tennessee just moves him all around the line, he's just so versatile, and he's just such a nightmare for uh, opposing coaches right now. I think Derek Barnett from Tennessee is a guy who we're going to see his value just shoot up the board, and I think he's a top-five pick right now. Um, when the draft rolls over, again, assuming he's going to declare, but I think everybody knows he will as well. Totally agree. He, he is a little bit of a playmaker uh, streak in him, too. I mean, he makes big plays. He, he keeps Tennessee in game, so uh, I got no problem with that. Hey, DJ, uh, given who went number two overall, Carson Wentz last year, a uh, small school prospect, what small school prospect do you think might jump into the first round this year or even top ten maybe? Well, it's kind of funny. I don't see anyone going into the top ten, but it's so funny the amount of heat I took for liking Carson Wentz for probably about 18 months um, and, and talking about him that everyone's on the Brady Gustafson bandwagon now from Montana. And and the first thing is Brady Gustafson is he the next Carson Wentz. And I'm like, you know, a year ago you're kind of being chastised for us really being one of the first sites to have Carson Wentz rated so highly. Now everyone's like, oh, the next Carson Wentz, here he comes. It's Brady Gustafson. So, I mean, very good quarterback. Um, we talked a little bit today. I don't really, really like this quarterback class per se, but there are a couple small school guys who I think can get it done. He's one of them. So I think that uh, he's a very good uh, very good prospect. I don't see anyone that I would say would be a top ten, top ten kind of overall at this point. But um, uh, that, that's probably just – the one name that's going to come to mind, because, again, everyone's just got such the love affair with the quarterback position. Let me ask you this, uh, DJ, because you're kind of a specialist in this, and uh, I know nothing about it. Uh, there's, a, there's a receiver on, uh, I believe, on North Dakota, or North Dakota, um, no, on South Dakota, or South Dakota State, a white kid that just dominates. Do you know anything about him? But I, I was watching. I mean, he, he was against TCU. He had, like, almost, like, I think he had, like, 250 yards. Uh, so he caught my eye in that TCU game. I'm pretty sure it's South Dakota State. Um, and he, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I watched film on him. And he gets no separation. It's crazy. He's, like, not fast, but he catches everything that's thrown to him. But I guess, I guess he's so under the radar that, that not even the experts know about him. He's, he's under the radar <laughs> because, uh, right, I, I really I want to actually have that on cue uh, to actually watch because, you know, as a, this, this week they actually knocked – North Dakota State from the ranks of the unbeat with a 1917 victory. And, uh, you know, we actually had North Dakota State ranked 26th in our Fierce 40 poll. I believe it dropped them to 38 overall. I got to, got to watch a little more on the, on the small school prospects. And yeah, yeah. Actually, right now, what I'm in the process of doing is putting kind of the, the small school prospect uh, list up there. And, and Cooper Cup, that's someone I want to talk about. It's someone that we, you know, I actually had him last year as a person who could have come out as a junior, even coming from a, from a small school there at Eastern Washington. And he's still getting it done. Uh, very good size. 
doesn't really have the speed. Gets a does does really kind of get the separation. He's kind of a, a Greg Jennings to me, seeing him at the college level, very reminiscent of, of Greg Jennings uh, at Western Michigan. So um, I think that's a guy who I think we're going to see by the middle stages of round two, early stages of round three, probably coming off the board at this point. And just to clear it up, Zach, you were talking about Jake Wanky, six four yeah. wide receiver. He's a junior. He had 196 yards and two touchdowns against TCU. Got 703 yards and 11 touchdowns on the season. And what about last year? I'm oh, telling yeah. you, he had like 1,500 yards last year. And then the, the year before, I think he had like 1,100 too. But I was watching yeah, it. Like, yeah, the last two years. He gets yeah, no separation. Uh, so last two years, he had over 1,400 yards. Last year, he had 11 touchdowns. As a freshman, he had 16 touchdowns. So at 6'4", that's very promising. We'll have to check on his speed, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm telling you, I watch game tape of him. I mean, it's amazing because he just has such a feel. They have a pretty decent quarterback, uh, and he's got such a feel for where the ball's going to be, and the ball's always thrown when the defender has their back to him, to the ball. So he just gets a beat on it. But I'm telling you, I mean, I've never seen some guy pull down so many catches with such a little separation. Uh, so he's a guy that, with that height, uh, you know, could project. You, you give, you put, a, you put him in a system with like Aaron Rodgers in the red zone, and from what I saw on tape, he's like, I don't know how you guard him. Yeah, well, a junior coming out of a small school usually doesn't come out early, so we'll we'll put him in the. Oh no, hope another year, yeah. 2018 mock. I was gonna say that you don't want to put him with Aaron Rodgers right now. That was actually one of the things I wanted to touch upon in the NFL and didn't get a chance to. And it's a good thing that we'll kind of end with. What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? Any theories here? What is just the timing is just off. Have you ever seen a top flight quarterback make such a a drastic drop, and he's still getting it done, but it's not near near the level that we saw Aaron Rodgers before. I mean, 20 teams out there would still take Aaron Rodgers at his current state, but he's definitely a shell of the, the way he's played the last two to three years. Theories as to what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. The missing Jordy Nelson for a year kind of put him off. Uh, maybe he wasn't really on the same page. Uh, Eddie Lacy really hasn't regained the form that he, that he had as, as a rookie, so they really haven't had a running attack. The offensive line took a huge hit right before the season started. Um, and to me, uh, it doesn't surprise me that he has some off games. He kind of comes across to me, and, and what I've seen from Aaron Rodgers is a little bit of a head case. Uh, I, I mean, I follow all these guys on Instagram. I see what they're, what they're doing in their free time. Uh, and he doesn't have the, the uh, Brady-type obsession with football. I know he takes it seriously. He, you know, he wants to be the best. He takes it very seriously. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think – I, I don't want to – Women, I don't like the, I don't like him and Olivia Mum. I don't like his brother being on The Bachelor, saying that uh, you know all these things that I, I feel like are distractions for him. So I mean, I'm just trying to think. He's still the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Zach, I think you hit on a few good points. I, I think he definitely got a little too comfortable. I mean, he's been so good for so long, and I think you're right. Maybe Hollywood got to his head a little bit. Maybe maybe he's starting to get an inferiority complex from his brother. Starting to get, starting to get that 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 guy. He's had an inferiority complex his entire life. I mean, and this is a guy that's open about it. You know, like he he doesn't hide the fact. I mean, a lot of the greats have an inferiority inferiority. I can't say complex, but uh, I mean, he's no he's no Brady. Yeah, I, but I think you nailed that. I think he I think he might have gotten distracted. Might have gotten a little too comfortable. Might have uh, been too exposed to the limelight with his brother and celebrity wife. Who knows? Uh, at, at the end of the day. It's also, you know, a lot of it comes down to comfort with the offensive line. If you're not comfortable with the running game, as you said, or you're not comfortable with the offensive line, 
you know, you throw the ball away, you make bad decisions, and uh, that's a yeah. huge factor. So it's, it's still early. Remember the, the last time Brady won a Super Bowl, uh, that Monday night game against the Chiefs. People were calling for him to be benched. So let's not get let's not get carried away. He's still the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely, and and you do also have to wonder the the move that we saw today. For those who might not be aware, uh, Niall Davis, the uh, backup uh, running back for the Chiefs, actually traded to the Packers today, uh, with with James Starks looking like he's going to be out for another three to four weeks, and Eddie Lacy kind of looks like he was just kind of getting going, and you know that that ankle's kind of been hampering him. So um, uh, Green Bay making another move there, and we'll have to see how Niall Davis actually performs and. One one really has to wonder. He had a pretty good game against uh, Green Bay in the preseason, so if that really a lot of that had to factor in with with what they did, or, or one has to wonder if they were really trying to make a deal for him kind of before the season began. Uh, but yeah, it was a good deal. They got him for they got they got him for a 2018 conditional seventh round pick in the draft that right now. That's a yeah, pretty I mean, good I, deal for quality running. Yeah, no one ever ever questioned his running ability or, or, you know, even his ability on special teams. It's, it's really been kind of a hands thing, uh, fumbling the football. He's, he's kind of had some problems there, some inconsistency blocking, but guy can definitely uh, tote the football. So really I'm kind of anxious to see how Green Bay is going to use him moving forward and how quickly they kind of assimilate him into the offense. Yep. But before we go, I do want to say that we are going to be adding another round um, to the mock draft. Oh, we're going to be at seven rounds before you know it. And uh, also now uh, we're, we're going to be moving the teams around, kind of reassessing things. Because, again, six weeks in, guys, we kind of are getting an idea where teams are going to pick. So, again, we'll have Cleveland up top there. Obviously, they have the first pick overall right now. But uh, we'll just end the call real quick. Six weeks in, we'll go back and look at this Super Bowl call right now. Jared, you're on the clock. I put him on the spot, ladies go and gentlemen. With, I'm going to. I'm going to go with um, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. If they leave him in, I think, wow. uh, magic. I think he's magic. We watched him in college. We, we all knew how good he was. You know, the only thing is people just didn't think he'd be a great draft prospect. I did. I had him in the article that I wrote about the best uh, quarterback. <laughs> who was the first prospect. person? Who was the first person on draft sites to write an article about Dak Prescott? Go back to the article. Yeah, no, you you loved him. You loved him. But I think if they I leave him in, Prescott. I think. And who had him in the mock draft to the Cowboys, albeit in the third round, not the fourth? Come on. So yeah, we all we all kind of had our stake here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to whip our finger on the Dak Prescott situation. I'm a pulse of it. You're good. Right. You're right. So I think I think if they leave him in, he's just you know he's got that kind of magic that Russell Wilson had that that Tom Brady had when they kind of took over and they realized, well, holy you know, holy crap, we we have this leader, this exceptional player who guys are rallying around. And I think you know you never know. You you always get a magic season here and there. And if if I'm gonna say a Super Bowl winner is a magical season, then it, it does. Much I hate to say that. And who are they playing? Wow. <laughs> or are they are they playing nobody? The Cleveland Browns. Wow, what a bold prediction, Jared. Wow, what a bold prediction. Yeah, the Browns are going to win out, and that's that's going to be it for them. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it's hard to kind of choose against the Patriots. I, I The Steelers were my pick before the season, but, you know, Big Big Ben is kind of hurt, and they're, kind of, they're imploding a little bit. I, I don't think, you know, Oakland's really got it. I like Denver, but I, I don't think they're good enough to get back there. I, I'm just going to go with New England because, you know, that's that's an easy – that's kind of an easy out. And, and they're just always 
good no matter what they do. All right, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take the Steelers because you know, with every fiber of my being, that I think Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl every year. Uh, so for the, the sake of uh, 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 not, not boring people with me picking the Steelers every time, I'm gonna go in the NFC. The Vikings. Uh, they're a team that no one's gonna pick because they're not sexy. But I promise you, you put them against any team. The only team that worries me going up against the Vikings and Jared nailed it right on the head is the Cowboys because when you can run the ball. Like you, like they did on the Packers, a team that was giving up two yards to carry in Lambeau Field. That's what playoff football is. That's what winning is. Uh, but their defense has is is showing enough, uh, and obviously that would be a, a a weak spot for the Cowboys. But I mean, I I don't see how you could put anybody over the Vikings right now, especially if Adrian Peterson comes back in the playoffs. Uh, but even without Adrian Peterson, I mean, the Vikings top to bottom are are almost unbeatable. I'm telling you, like they're. The defense does win championships, and I've always thought that Bradford's going to uh, take the career trajectory of like a Trent Green or a Rich Gannon and finally catch on somewhere in his 30s. And you can play a very long time if you take care of your body. Just look at Tom Brady. And then in in the AFC, I'm going to go with just an absolute shocker because, you know, obviously you've got to think the Patriots. How could you go against the Patriots? But who's the one team that beat the Patriots this year? Buffalo Bills, baby. I'll take the Bills right now. And and and. and they're going to get. Uh, I think they're going to get Shaq Lawson back. Uh, if 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 Lashawn McCoy can stay healthy, uh, I mean, they're a team that that's not unlike the Dallas Cowboys. That just runs the ball and controls the game. And if they take care of the ball, they don't have penalties. It's a team that has familiarity with Belichick. Already has the one game over Belichick in Foxborough. And and right now, you can make an argument they're the hottest team in football after the way they handled the Cardinals. Uh, since they handled the Cardinals, they, they've been they've they've been really excellent. And we'll find out a lot about them this week in Miami because it's very very tough to play in Miami this time of year with the heat. Uh, just just ask the Steelers who had like seven players vomit uh, last week. Well, that was from Zika, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, my right, pre who are your picks? My preseason pick was a Steelers Cardinals rematch, but uh, I'm going to go away from there and I'm going to go. You know, you just can't pick against the Patriots. I'm, you just can't. They'll, they'll find a way to get it done. But I think if any team in the AFC has a chance to beat the Patriots, or I think is built to, to beat them, I think it's a team that has gone and mentioned thus far. It, I think it's the Chiefs. I yeah, still great call. believe her in the Kansas City Chiefs, in that defense. I think Alex Smith will do just enough um, to make the, the Chiefs very competitive, come out of the, the West and win that division. Even with the Broncos and the defense they have, I just I just got a Chiefs feeling. Got I like that. I like that a lot. healthy. I think if any team knocks off the Patriots in the AFC, I think the Chiefs have the best chance to do so. And the Vikings, you know, how can you argue against that defense? But I still think, again, just going back to, to old faithful, uh, I'm going to go to Seahawks. I think people yeah, will yeah. find a way to to get that done. You know, Russell Russell Wilson returning to form. You know. Kristen Michael's starting to run the took the football pretty well. The offensive line is playing a little bit better. It's not it's not to the to the, the point Vikings, the Vikings would, would eat that offensive line alive. That that would be the problem right now. The Seattle has to get that offensive line kind of plugged up and I think you're seeing them taking baby steps. The the line is getting better week in and week out, but it's not really at the point um, where I think you would call them championship caliber. But I think if they right the ship there along the offensive line, I think Seattle would be the team to beat, and I would take Patriots over Seahawks in the Super Bowl. And I got the Vikings beating the Bills in my hypothetical week six Super Bowl. 
And I think we're on record with uh, Jared taking the uh, the Browns over the Redskins. I believe that that was the pick. Was was that it? Mm-hmm. Yep, that was it. <laughs> so, hey, why are we throw why are we throwing the Redskins in there with the Browns? The Redskins are not as bad as people think they are. Oh, it's 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 still just a. I think a lot of people are getting excited about the NFC East early on. I still think it's a a division that's you know. Still, still not. I, I, I'm still a believer in the Giants this year. I, re, I really am. Uh, I think that uh, Dallas at some point implodes somewhere, probably on the defensive side of the ball. I love Prescott. I love Elliott. They're getting it done without Des Bryant in the lineup right now. But I don't know. It's, it's it's just Giant time. Every three, four years they do this. They sneak up on you. They win the division. They they make a little bit of a push. It's a it's perfect time for it's a perfect year for the Giants to make some noise. Yeah, I was at the yeah. game on Sunday. I saw that magic. Well. A, a great, great show. We'll probably get this going uh, at least bi-weekly, maybe uh, a little more frequently in coming weeks. Keep the questions coming there on DraftSite.com. I want to thank both of our gents for being on the call tonight. Jared Belson, Zach Gutierrez, myself, DJ Boyer, want to wish everyone a, a great week and in what's coming ahead. But, um, again, check back, uh, Draft on draft site because we will have the mock draft uh, being updated, extra rounds being added, updated team orders, and again, it's going to be seven rounds before you know it. So, peace out, everybody. See ya. Your love is fading. I can feel it fading. Another man.